Well, kids are great because they will just tell you like it is. Come on, parents, we gotta work on our gaming skills. Uh, my son Aaron is 14 years old now, close to 15. I'm very uncool in his eyes, of course. Um, but he is a joy to be with. He's a freshman in high school. He's going to start driver's training uh, pretty soon. So watch out, world, because we're going to have another driver on the roads. And I remember the day that he was born, and they come out and they bring this wonderful bundle to you. And you look at this thing and you think, what am I supposed to do now? And I was just feeling this great joy at this miracle of life that was there and feeling overwhelmed too. This gift that God had given to us, to Paul and I to raise, what in the world were we going to do? What was this journey going to be like with him? What kind of sacrifices would it require? What was it going to look like? How would we love him and train him and discipline him? And the fact of the matter is you don't get a lot of instructions with that little bundle, do you? You have all of these classes for childbirth, you know, you have to know every single thing about that, these prenatal classes that you go to and a couple weeks after, but they send you home with this bundle and uh, maybe a subscription to Parents Magazine and that's it, that's all you get. There's no instruction manual, there's no um, helpful hints really. And once you get beyond that first little bit, there are no instructions about how to go through all of those changes in life how to send him off to school for the first time, and the transition to middle school, and then to high school and to college and the adult years. There really isn't a whole lot that we get to try to manage all of that stuff with our kids and our grandkids. In fact, here's a picture of the day that we um, came, took Aaron home from the hospital, and I had him in this little carrier, I remember, and this nice lady, she gently took my arm and she asked a couple questions about the baby, and then she just very nicely suggested, you know, honey, you might wanna put a little blanket over him before you go outside, and I was like, oh yeah, it's March, right, that'd probably be a good idea. I, I just really didn't have much of a clue as to what I was doing. And our families, don't they? They help us to give us advice and help and instruction. But what I want to do in this series of messages called Building Strong Families is I want to focus in on how do we spiritually invest in the next generation with intentionality and purpose. And the question I want to really focus on in these couple of weeks together is this. How can you and I be a part of raising up a generation of spiritual champions who love Jesus, and who want to carry on the mission of Christ in the healing of our nation and our world? Isn't that a great question? How can you and I be a part of raising up a generation of spiritual champions who love Jesus and can help to bring the healing of Christ to our nation and to our world? Because we need it, and we need it desperately. Now, I come to this series uh, certainly as a learner, not as an expert. Some of you, you're much older, you have a lot more experience than I do. But I want us to look at God's word and really be able to see some principles that we can do to carry on the message of Christ. And each generation has this unique style, and your kids or your grandkids or your nieces or nephews or those that you mentor, all of them are gonna need some unique um, characteristics in this way. But all of us, Every single one of us have the responsibility and the privilege to help invest spiritually in the next generation. 
Every single one of us had that responsibility. And even if you're a young adult here and you don't have kids yet, you also have a responsibility. Maybe you have younger siblings or others that are in your life or in your school to help them also to know Christ. And so it's something that all of us have the responsibility and privilege to do. And so we're going to look at some practical ways and some principles from God's word over the next month. But my hope is this, is that you might be reminded of the gift that parenting or grandparenting or mentoring in the next generation, that you might be reminded that it is truly a gift from God and that we might gain confidence in learning to invest in kingdom-minded kids. So let's pray as we get started this morning. Lord Jesus, as we come to this material, Lord, I just pray that you would speak to our hearts by your Holy Spirit, that you'd help all of us, Lord, whether we're a parent with kids at home or our kids are grown, whether we're in those grandparenting years, whether they're in our mentoring years or we have younger brothers and sisters, Lord, I just pray that you would speak to us about ways that we can help others too to know the message and love of Jesus and that they might too carry on the message that you want to do, Lord, to bring healing to our nation and to our world. We ask this in the name of Christ. Amen. So most parents and grandparents, you feel like you're doing pretty okay, maybe even better than some other parents around the country because you provide the very best that you can for your kids. You can't be criticized for not trying. You work hard. You want to provide a good life for your kids. You want to be committed to providing for them what you had growing up or maybe even more than that. You involve your kids in a a variety of activities. You monitor their whereabouts so you know where they are. You're taking care of their health to the best of your ability. You expose your kids to religious training and in church and other programs and events. And as Americans, we sort of created this matrix about what allows our kids to be successful, don't we? And we think about this. Our kids are deemed to be successful, you know, if they do well in school and if they get good grades and if they then, you know, get a good job after that and if they're self-sufficient, maybe even have a family of their own someday. And so we have all of these things that come at us from culture about what it means for our kids or our grandkids to be successful. But I found some research in um, the Barna study. It's actually the book that we're doing together, uh, Revolutionary Parenting. It's based on George Barna and his research group. And so in the opening chapters of that, there was something that really caught my attention I wanted to share with you this morning. It said this in a representative sample that they did in their research. It said for parents, only one in five parents, one in five parents, feels that they're doing a good job of raising their young children with spiritual and moral principles. Only one in five felt that they were doing a really good job of teaching their young kids in morality and spirituality. In fact, parents, they rank their efforts related to spirituality at the bottom of their list. That was surprising to me. And furthermore, it went on to say that the 13-year-olds that they studied In this representative sample, 13-year-olds felt like they knew everything there was to know about Scripture already in their life. Can you believe that? 13-year-olds, man, they got it all together. And it said most of them had no intention of continuing to attend a church when they were in their 20s or living on their own. That concerns me. 
Because it's our job as parents, as grandparents, as leaders in the church to mentor our young people so that they will love Jesus, so that they will want to love and serve him, so that they will want to be a part of carrying that on in the church in the future. And that responsibility is not just for the church, that responsibility in scripture is also on the parents because you are with your child all the time, except when they're in school, of course. But you are with them and so it is the church's job to come alongside of parents and it is a partnership together to help to raise our children in the faith. And I want us to look at the end of the book of Joshua this morning. Joshua was a leader of the people. If you remember, Moses led them out of slavery and into the promised land. But Joseph was at, or excuse me, not Joseph. Uh, Joshua, let's get this right. Joshua was the leader that then followed Moses and helped them to conquer the promised land. And so they were getting ready at the end of that to be able to settle down, to be able to teach their grandchildren and their children about the faith. And so he calls all of them together from three of them and he blesses three of the tribes that were gonna be on one side of the Jordan River, the rest of them were gonna be on the other. And we come to this section in Joshua chapter 22 and he's telling them, you need to be able to tell this to your children and to your grandchildren. And he says these words, you're gonna see them on the screen, Joshua 25, excuse me, 22 verse five. It says, be very careful to keep the commandment and the law that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to keep his commands, to hold fast to him and to serve him with all of your heart and with all of your soul. And we think about these words that are very similar that Jesus says in Matthew 22. Love the Lord your God, what? With all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind and with all of your strength. And then to love your neighbor as yourself. You see, God is very concerned about our hearts. Yes, God pays attention to what it is that we do, but he's also concerned about our heart and our attitude, that we are designed and created to live in connection with our creator, to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and to live then out of that relationship and how it makes our decisions and how we look at the world and all of those things that we are due. And we have to remember that that God is the absolute judge of how well our children are doing. And it's his standards that examine the character and faith of our young people. God is concerned about the hearts of our kids. And as Christian parents, I want you to see this on the screen, as Christian parents, grandparents, our focus is to raise spiritual children, these kingdom-minded kids that look at the world through the lens of Jesus Christ, that have a worldview of what would Jesus want us to do in this situation? And we have to see the bigger picture of God's priorities and raise our children or influence our grandchildren or nieces or nephews in light of his standards, not just those around us. That's the the context of this scripture that they were living with all the the people of Israel were living with all these other cultures around them that were putting pressure on their society. And Joshua was saying, you have to remember the laws and standards of God are different than everything that you're gonna get around you. And so too, we have to remember that these pressures that we get from our American culture are different than what it is that God has designed and wants us to do. And so I wanna look at those three, three of those pressures this morning, these pressures that seem so subtle from our culture, but they press in on what we wanna try to do as Christian parents and grandparents. So the first one I want us to look at this morning is this. Our society often focuses more on accomplishment than character. Our society often focuses more on accomplishment than character. And Christian parenting 
includes this whole idea about moral, moral and spiritual training. That's part of what we are called to do. In the midst of all of the other things that we wanna help our kids to do, it also includes investing in them spiritually. And they are going to respond and they are going to watch how you practice your faith as parents and as grandparents. How do they see you living out your faith? Do they see you reading the scriptures? Do they see you praying? Do they see you talking about what would Jesus have us do in this situation that we're trying to figure out as a family? Do you use that kind of language when you're talking about decision making? When you make it a priority to come to church as a family? And those, um, your kids are watching you. They're watching how you live out your faith and it begins with you modeling that for them. Because they're not gonna pick up on how exciting it is to follow Jesus and why it matters in your life if you're not excited about it. And so it starts with what are you modeling? How are you using your time? What is it that you're helping them to understand and see? And it's only then that they will begin to understand that this life and journey with Jesus is something that matters. Anything less than that is hypocrisy and it undermines our efforts to move them to a higher maturity. We have to think about the importance of character. Here is a hard and challenging question. I read it this week and it was really challenging. It said, would you rather that your children or grandchildren were honest or get all A's? I was like, ooh, can I have both please? That's hard, isn't it? There is sort of little emphasis in our society about sort of this overt character development. The assumption is that if our kids, you know, if they learn the info and skills that they need to, if they're doing, you know, fairly well in school, that good character will just naturally emerge. And that simply is not true. We have to help to teach them. We have to help to teach them those fruits of the Spirit. Remember, you're going to see them on the screen there. The fruit of the Spirit is what? Love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are marks, fruits of the spirit of Jesus living within. And when we model that and when we share that, we're investing in them and helping them to know all of these things that are important. As a parent, are we more concerned that uh, our children show love for fellow students or just that they outperform them? As Christian parents, do we raise our children to tell the truth even if they might lose an opportunity because of it? Solid character does not magically emerge without some intentional effort. And so we continually have to remind our kids and our grandkids and our nieces and our nephews and our younger siblings and those that we mentor, we have to continually remind them that who you are matters even more than just what you achieve. Who you are is so very, very important. And it matters, it matters to God. God would much rather sort of in, in, in help us to in, create servants rather than just superstars. Character, it matters. It matters perhaps even more than achievement. And that's so different than what our culture and our society says. It's a pressure that we feel. This second pressure, I think we feel this a lot too. Our society asks the family to focus on activities rather than time for fun and relaxation. 
And this is such a hard tension and a balance and something I think we've really learned during this COVID season. If you think back to a year ago, a year ago at this time, life was just moving at this breakneck speed. All this stuff was coming at us and it feels like you have to get your kid, you know, invested in like kindergarten or first grade in a sport so they even have a fighting chance at the varsity team sometime later in high school and getting a college scholarship. You know, we have to get our kids invested right away. And we can get, you know, we got club sports and travel sports and all the stuff that we do and all that stuff is good. It's fun. But sometimes we get so lost in that that we miss some of that family time and being able to just enjoy life together as a family because it moves so very fast. And then March came last year and this train that was speeding so very fast down the tracks, it's like those movies, you know, where they pull that big brake and the train just skids to a stop. And I feel like all of society did that and all of a sudden, we're home because we don't have anything else or any other place to go. And that was cool because now, you know, we're all home for dinner because there's no other place to go. But then it got to be a strain on the family as well because now we're working from home and now we're having school from home and now we're together 24-7 all the time and it's hard to be together, just us all the time. And then we began to deal with this whole isolation factor of not being able to be with other kids. And so how do we find a balance between those two? And now that we're opening up a little bit more and being able to do that and and kids get a chance to do that, they need some of that socialization. But how do we not lose that good family time that we've learned is really important too? Family time, just fun family time together is important. Did you hear the one girl on the video? What'd she say? I'm so much better at fun than my parents because they're always just working and so serious. And that fun is about character development and investing in our kids and having spiritual values for them as well. So we're gonna talk a little bit more practically about some of those balance aspects next week. But it's a pressure that we feel from our society. And the third one I wanna address this morning is that our society tells us to work longer hours, which really diminishes time to focus on our kids. It's really hard to turn off that work button these days, isn't it? Because it's always there and it's always around. And parenting and grandparenting is the single greatest occupation or investment we will ever have in life. It is. It's the single greatest occupation or investment we can ever have in life. But it's hard work and there are no guarantees. And especially difficult is that the rest of life doesn't stop in the midst of all of our parenting efforts. Parents are busy people. We got lots of responsibilities and lots of things that we do. And sometimes we just take it for granted. And we got those little toddlers around and we just can't wait for them to go to bed because we're tired. And yet it is an important investment. It is a gift and it is a responsibility that we have. And for you grandparents too, It is an important investment in life and we want to do a great job and we want to be able to do that. And even when we do everything right, there perhaps is no guarantee that your young person will love God with all of her heart or his or her heart, soul, mind, and strength. But it's important. 
And don't allow all the other pressures of life, work, and all those other responsibilities to steal away time for investing in your kids and your grandkids. Because it goes by so very fast. Do you know 18 years, it's 6,570 days. And we think, eh, just one day at a time. But it's 938 weeks. Somebody asked me today, what's in here? This is Legos. Kids ever enjoy playing with Legos? There's 938 of them in this jar. That's all we get. 938 weeks to make an investment in our kid's life. 216 months. It goes by so incredibly fast. And what are you going to build together? One week at a time. And what is your house and your spiritual house going to look like? Spiritual development. It takes an intentional effort. And at the end of the book of Joshua, he calls together all the people of Israel and he summons the elders and the heads of the families and the leaders and the judges and all the officials and they present themselves before God. And Joshua tells them that all that God had done for them And then he comes to this verse, and and maybe this is a a famous verse. Some people have it as a plaque in their house. It comes right here from the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 24, verse 14 and 15. It says, fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. All these pressures that they were having from the culture around them. And he says, choose for yourselves this day who you will serve. He goes on to say, is it this God or is it that God or is it this God? He says, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. With all the pressures around us and all the influences from our culture to achieve and succeed in the midst of all of these things, we as a a household, we are going to choose to serve God. We're going to make that spiritual development a priority. And it really starts with that choice. And in verse 24, the people say back to Joshua, we will, we will serve the Lord our God and we will obey him. But it takes some intentionality and it takes some focus. And God says that when we give our lives over to him, when we're listening for his guidance, when we surrender our children to him, we can confidently leave the results to him. But it is our job and it is our calling to invest in the next generation, every single one of us. And the reality is that as much as you love your children, God loves them even more. And as much as you love your grandchildren, God loves them even more. And he wants them to succeed and he wants them to grow and he wants them to have a relationship with him. And depending on God, there are some steps that we can take and some practices that we can implement that will sort of boost our capacity of partnering with God to raise kingdom-minded kids. And we're gonna look at those in some more specifics over the next couple weeks. But I invite you to go on the journey together. And it starts with making that choice. To be reminded that spiritual development is a priority and we're going to make it a priority in our household. And we're going to do that for the glory of God.